Do you know what I do? What's my job? Nothing. I don't have a job? No. What do I do for work? Uh, go outside. Oh, what does Daddy do? Daddy goes to work too. What does he do at his job? Go on the airplane. My husband and I have two young kids. He works, and I'm trying to get back to work. And I'm really struggling with that age-old, crazy-making question, how to be good at work and at home. So I'm asking moms and dads about what they do and how they do it, how they manage to get out the door every day. Jamal Cyrus is an artist from Houston, and he has this piece he performs in galleries around the country called Texas Fried Tenor, where he basically deep fries a saxophone in front of an audience. And in the, the process of frying it, there's like all this popping sound. That's mic'd and that's used as the, a soundscape. Texas is known also to have like this tradition of tenor saxophonists who are known for like this really kind of soulful sound. Right. So within that, I also mix field recordings from Texas prison songs or um, animal sounds and stuff like that. Have your kids seen it? They have seen that. Um, were they just like, Daddy's crazy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jamal has been married for 16 years and has four kids. His oldest is 15, his youngest is five. And we've actually known each other a long time, 30 years now. We grew up in the same neighborhood in Missouri City, which is a suburb of Houston. And in high school, we carpooled together in my 1979 Honda Civic. That Civic was so dope. Like, it's hard to find like classic Japanese cars now. What do you have now? I have a Toyota Sienna station wagon. A station wagon? <laughs> no, I'm sorry, minivan. <laughs> Four kids, you need one. You need some kind of van. Yeah. yeah. Our high school was a magnet school for the arts, so Jamal has been making art for quite a while now. Here in New York, his work has been in the Studio Museum in Harlem, the New Museum, and the Whitney. It's just such a part of my thinking now. It's just the way I interact with the world and the way I try to understand my experience, understand my culture. Yeah. How did you come up with Texas Fried Tenor? I began to. Um, to do these drawings and do other things which were kind of related to jobs either black folks would do or, or jobs either like people in my family had done. And I, at one time my father was like a short order cook and he, he used to always fry stuff at home anyway. So I started frying like small things. Um, and then I was also doing a series of drawings that, that involves sweeping uh, graphite powder. Hmm. Right. So sweeping and frying, um, basically those those kind of like processes that were kind of close to to my culture in a work sense. Mm -hmm. Right. He was also influenced by stories of artists like Ruth Brown, a famous R&B singer from the 1950s. Mama, he treats he treats your daughter mean, Her hits made Atlantic Records a lot of money. In fact, the company was called, quote, the house that Ruth built. But by the like the late 60s, early 70s, found herself as a maid kind of cleaning up like white folks' houses. Her royalties have, have been stolen from her. Another guy who was um, an influence is Palmer Hayden, Harlem Renaissance painter. 
um, did a famous painting called The Janitor Who Paints. Those are all the kind of, the feel that created Texas Fried Tanner. The black artist being in this precarious position. Do you talk to your kids about your work or are they interested in it? Or? I do talk to them about my work. They aren't always interested in my work. Um, but, but some of this, it's surprising. Like some of the things that they see, they are interested in. I've been doing this series of um, paintings with a local sign painter who lives in Third Ward. And I didn't take them to the opening of it, but they ended up being in the space. And then they were like, why didn't you tell us about the paintings? What did we like? Oh, we, you know, so that was nice, you know, but like those, those are like these, these kind of text paintings that are really kind of, you know, up front. I don't know, easily, easily kind of legible to a certain, certain degree for mm -hmm. them. Um, and not like the other kind of things, which is maybe it's like more murky. Like, yeah, the crazy part about like, why are you frying a sax? So, you know, yeah. Did, Why did do you ask? have a garage full of saxophones? <laughs> um, Are any of your kids leaning towards the arts at all? I mean, your oldest one is 15. Yeah. That's kind of the time, you yeah. um, Kind of hip-hop production and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, I'm not suggesting my kids go into the arts. Yeah. I don't know. Um, my daughter might do something uh, with writing. I can see that in her. Mm -hmm. But... Um, I don't know, it's just kind of a hard life, you know? I don't really want them to... And there are other opportunities out there. How has Houston changed from when you grew up to now that you're raising your kids? Um, at the time that we were kind of growing up in Missouri City, I don't know, there just wasn't... I was always bored when I was there, of course, right? There wasn't a lot to do. Is that why you turned to skating? When I first met Jamal in junior high back in the 80s, he was one of the skater kids. Do you remember that time that skateboard, I was doing that trick in front of y'all and that skateboard fell on my thumb? Oh yeah. It was actually pretty gruesome. A lot of blood. But it just stuck with me and it was something that I was like decent at and something that I, I liked doing and... Did your parents approve? I think they were always waiting for me to quit. I remember one day my dad saying, Basically, was saying all I wanted to do was skate up and down the street and play our pants. So there was some, there was some tension there. <laughs> Skating was like a really white domain at that time too. Like a little bit after we graduated from high school, like you had a lot more kind of diversity in skating. Mm -hmm. But like in the eighties, like no, we got into fights for being like black and skateboarding and that kind of stuff. And, and you're always just kind of waiting for like the word like nigga to come out. You never really felt safe like being the only black person. I remember you telling me when you went to college, first in Austin, and you told me how people started on the street would be afraid of you. I remember that first starting to happen. Because you remember where I lived was kind of like where all the, sor the sorority houses were. Mm -hmm. And, um,. Yeah, and that night when I would, was, would walk back from like the library or whatever I was at, their pacing and that kind of, yeah, how, how my, my body in that space really changed how they were acting and yeah. I was upset about that. Even like in Houston a little bit later in the museum district all the time, like crossing the street and hear like, you know, like the locks on cars going. Um, 
But that does not happen to me as much anymore. I think that's a part of like black male kind of youth experience, you know. Because I used to also have a lot of issues with the police. I don't know if you, if I ever told you about that. I used to get pulled over all the time. And it doesn't happen anymore. Hmm. Maybe it's because I have a Toyota minivan. <laughs> but, but I don't know. Do you ever talk to your kids about, like your oldest son, about what do you do um, if you get pulled over by a cop? So one time I tried to, uh, <laughs> I pulled into this parking lot, you know, because I started driving pretty early. Being behind the wheel and being able to control the car is definitely like middle school. Um, I, so around, he was around that age, I pulled into this, this parking lot and I was like, here, why don't you, I want you to drive. He's like, no, no, no. It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> he was terrified of trying to drive that car. Um, so... I'm not going to have to worry about that for a little while, but I, I, I mean, we have been having a lot of talks about just the police, mm -hmm. you know, especially with considering that, like a lot of the stuff that's going on now, yeah. but like, um, what do you yeah. oh man, um, my, my thing is, has always been for, for them just to, to, um, don't resist, always do what they tell you, basically. Honestly, like, with my kids, though, I don't know, I guess I talk a lot of shit about police, like, at the same time, and just, mainly, um, just helping them to understand that, one, to protect themselves, but to understand that if this is a longer phenomenon, right? This is not just you know, about a couple of cases or a decade or something. This goes much, much further back, just the relationship between the black community and the police. So just having them to be aware of that. Did your parents ever talk to you about that? My dad was really, um, he was really subtle in like his, his kind of education on race in America, you know? Um, but he used to always tell me that like, my life, and especially this is perhaps this was around skateboarding and all that kind of stuff. Like, my life was not going to to be like those kids who I was hanging out with. I wasn't going to have the same kind of opportunities and resources. And I didn't really get that, of course, too much too much later mm. in life. Are any of your kids interested in skating? They were. They have a. a a skate park in downtown Houston now called Jamel Skate Park. Mm. And so we wanted to go start going there. Um, but then um, I got a skateboard and was kind of skating with him for a little while. And then he kind of just stopped skating. Because you were, was he like at that stage? I think it's, yeah, I think it does have something to do with like, I don't want to do what my dad's doing. If I fail now, it hurts a lot it, more. It, it hurts a lot more, and I will not be able to recuperate as easily. You know, I could just kind of like the flow and like movement of skating. Mm -hmm. You know, and they have like these kind of ditch-like things where you could just kind of carve and kind of yeah, just mm -hmm. ride.
The music in this episode is from Shaky Graves and from Nick Hakeem. I'm Carla Murthy, and this is Getting Out the Door. <laughs>